1: Welcome to Beyond the Ropes, a boxing podcast brought to you by Easy Boxing
0: Repeat, the place for the Northwest and boxing news, news, reviews, and interviews. Here's your host, Sean Basso. Welcome to episode 54 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. Sean Bastow, your host here, as always, discussing the weekly action. And what's coming up on today's show? Well, of course, we're going to discuss the match ring bill from the weekend. We're going to discuss some of the really good 30-50 fights that was on the card. And the main event with John Ryder and Sorokin. Then we go to the USA. We talk about Regis McGride and Terry Flanagan. And we talk about Anthony Gittsberg horrible injury to his eye on the card and then we're also going to be discussing the match room bill in the usa with danny jacobs and sergey deriachenko and also this week on the show we've got the return of the ultimate boxer number two the light heavyweight tournament coming up on this friday at the o2 arena and then we've also got this weekend the next installment for the world boxing super series when he sees Scotland's Josh Taylor going against Ryan Martin and Ryan Burnett against Nonito Denaire. All coming up this week, plus this week in boxing history, news and gossip. We ain't going to have any questions and answers because I've not been able to put any tweets out. So before we go any further, just a little story for you. So I'm actually recording this episode of the podcast from what is known as sunny Southport, but it's absolutely kegging it down at the moment. And it wasn't the greatest of starts to what I would call a so-called break because, on the way travelling down here yesterday, we pulled up at a set of traffic lights, stationary. Next thing we know, smash right into the back of the car. Must be about thirty-four miles an hour, something like that, and absolutely destroy the back of the car. My arm and shoulder and neck are absolutely killing today, and I, I'm to be honest with you, I'm surprised this week I'm doing the recording, but. I brought my laptop, I brought my microphone, I brought everything to do the recording and I didn't want to disappoint because I know there's a lot of guys out there and girls that listen to this podcast podcast, and they're waiting for it every single week and obviously there's some guys that can't always record their podcast so it's good that I'm able to get this out to you on this week. So let's move on, let's get to the start of the show. Where do we want to start this week? Well, the Matchroom bill for me, the Matchroom UK bill that is, was the bill that I felt was probably the most 50-50 matched bill of the weekend. And there were some really, really good fights on it. And I think, I don't know where to start with fights-wise. There was one that I wrote about, the Isaac Chamberlain and Luke Watkins fight, which actually turned out to be a really, really good fight. It was a 50-50 fight. both returned, like I said, last week, off the back of defeats to Lawrence Akolai who was funnily enough sat ringside watching this one. Now Isaac Chamberlain come in and just seems to have brought this renewed confidence into camp. He's now working with Jorge Rubio and Angel Fernandez as you've seen at the weekend but for me this was this was really, really good performance from him. Really good performance from him. Different guy than what we've seen against Akolai. Against Akolai he obviously looked really frustrated different type of fighter has he has he improved enough to beat someone like Akolai going forward I don't know Akolai's got this really really awkward style and I don't know if Chamberlain would still be able to beat Lawrence Okolai. He is quite small for a cruiserweight and that has been mentioned a few times by various different people on different podcasts and different interviews but for me he he really took it to Luke Watkins and at times he he outclassed Luke Watkins. Luke Watkins, don't get me wrong, he's a friend of the podcast, he's been on it, you've heard interviews with him before. He at times just looked a little bit one-dimensional and that's what for me Lost him the fight Sometimes he came forward in straight lines too much There there wasn't more than The, the, the sort of standard combinations That he was throwing Sometimes there, there wasn't enough In the locker And he got involved and dragged into a fight Which he didn't need to get dragged into and And, and may have performed better Should he have stuck to game plan which I think he kind of reverted, reverted to type on the night when he fought I call, uh, I call like Chamberlain on Saturday, I think he sort of reverted back to just coming forward in straight lines and I think that was what he was down for was, it was a really really good fight, I think the last couple of rounds were brilliant, you know, great back and forth between the two of them, I think the classier, more quality punches did come from Chamberlain overall throughout the fight. ...and it's shown for me. So, cole ...I keep saying a lot like it ...I keep getting mixed up. Chamberlain... ...and Watkins... ...was probably, for me... ...the fight of the night on that card. I mean, people may agree with me... ...they may not agree with me... ...but for me, it was the fight of the night on that card. I really, really enjoyed it. All the fights on that card that I really enjoyed... ...I really enjoyed... ...Ryan Doyle versus Jordan Gill. Obviously, with Ryan Doyle Manchester Man... Trains down at Robert Rimmer's gym, the better bodies, the Phoenix camp. I was really excited. I wanted Ryan to win, but Jordan's a talent. Jordan Gill a talent, and again, he stepped up in class on Saturday night. And again, he's showing us what he is made of as a fighter. He, he, he was classy, great movement, great speed, great variety of combination punching, and again, that's what was the telling factor in that particular fight. Ryan Doyle we knew he was going to be a big puncher we knew he was going to go in there and and try and blow away Jordan Gill and put the pressure on him but eventually the class and the quality overtook the fight and Jordan Gill wins via TKO in round number 7 he takes that Commonwealth title so now he's stepping up at 22 fights in now you're expecting him potentially to be looking at British title soon he's took the Commonwealth I think I want to see him move up again I think he's got the quality to move up to that British featherweight level And start challenging the bigger Fighters in the division, I'm not saying that Ryan Wasn't, Ryan was a really really good fighter Great win over Reece Bellotti To take the title in the first place but There was a sort of class apart A little bit on the night and I think that's what We're waiting for From Jordan Gilder, we're waiting to see How good he is, will he be a class apart Well yeah, he was, and I really enjoyed it, and now we're going to get to see, hopefully, him move on and go to that British level, because obviously you got the guys like Isaac Lowe and Ryan Walsh floating around, and I think that one of them two would be a great fight for him. Kid Galahad, obviously he fought the previous weekend, another fight which I think could be a really good clash of styles, but I think they're obviously trying to move Galahad in a different direction, pushing him onto that world level, whereas Gill. He's obviously done so. of just pushing to the British level, so I'm expecting maybe, in fact, someone like Ryan Wash or Isaac Low, and that could be you know two great fights for him there in the future. So that was a really good fight for me as well on the card, and you know a really good competitive, enjoyable fight. And I'm pretty sure there was a lot of people that enjoyed that. But another great fight on this card was Ted Cheeseman going in against senior Byfield with a vacant British super welterweight title. This was the second fight that I felt was right up there as fight of the night. The Watkins and Chamberlain fight for me was the better fight. Personally, that was just my opinion, but some people may have preferred the Cheeseman-Byfield fight because, again, it was a really, really good fight. Cheeseman was being accused of not stepping on against anybody of note, against a faded Carson Jones. There was a lot of talk in the press conference beforehand from Byfield. But Cheeseman was relentless. Absolutely relentless on Saturday night. He didn't give Byfield anything. Uh, and when Byfield did get some good shots off, there was some quality in the work that he was doing. But there didn't seem to be any sort of power or sting in the punches. It just seemed like he struggled at times to keep Cheeseman off. And Cheeseman was so relentless. So, so relentless on Saturday night. And he's just shown that, that step up. That step up has been needed and people will now start to look at Ted Cheeseman as a legitimate fighter and legitimate super well in in Britain. And I think it was a well-deserved win for him. I think Byfield has been accused in the past of sometimes being a little bit lackadaisical and I think at times he looked like that on Saturday night. And it was a bit of a shame because I've seen him in, in so many different Fights where I thought to myself, you know, this guy's really, really good. He's got some really great talent, but it felt like he, he really wasn't fighting to potential on Saturday night. But Cheeseman just wouldn't give him an inch. He was absolutely relentless, and he picks up the victory and the British super well title. Also, the main event, John Ryder versus André Sorokin undefeated Sir Rockin, former kickboxer something I didn't actually know about him before going into that fight, he was a former kickboxer and you could tell he had a really unorthodox stance, unorthodox style and it took John Ryder quite a few rounds to figure out Sir Rockin, but when he did figure him out he made sure he put him away And he won by KO in round number 7 And he now gets his shot At the WBA super middleweight title Obviously the interim held by Rocky Fielding Who's fighting Canelo as we know We've talked about it a couple of times And then obviously super champion Callum Smith Who we will be mentioning later on in today's show So great fight, great win for John Ryder He continues his resurgence in his career All the fights on the card That people will have picked up on. Felix Cash got a good win over Stephen Daniel, Martin Ward, Reese Pilotti, Craig Richards, Louis Lynn, Charlie Duffield and George Fox all picked up victories on that matchroom bill over the weekend so I want to move on and go over to the next show. Where are we going next? Well, I think we should go to America I think we should talk about the fight between Regis Pagrai and Terry Flanagan So what did everybody make of this one then? Terry Flanagan Go in against Regis Pagrai I wasn't sure what to make of the fight Before it I wasn't sure how this was going to go down I was hoping Terry would go there And do the business and show people Why he was a world champion On Saturday night It was a coming of age party for Regis Pagrai I've seen his last few fights Win by knockout Against guys that are probably not As, as, as sort of well known as Flanagan is On the world stage And Pugray just went in there, looked, you know, completely overshadowed Flanagan's for sort of athleticism on the night. Uh, And and at times, for me, what was disappointing with Flanagan is he didn't seem to want to pull the trigger enough on the night. Now, that was a telling factor. He didn't give. What's the word I'm looking for? Command. He didn't command the respect of Pugray on the night. And I think that's what he knew, he obviously knew from the early rounds that he weren't He weren't phased by what Flanagan had in the locker and he commanded the respect of Flanagan immediately and it worked and Flanagan didn't do a lot in response to to command respect from Pagrai, I mean there was various shots throughout the fight that Pagrai landed that I felt like bloody hell he's actually going to take Terry out here and Obviously, that one shot that he landed, that right hand, I think, in round seven or round eight, that dropped Terry for the first time in his career. He was coming all night. There was quite a few shots, quite a few left hands that he, he, he seemingly rocked Terry with on the night. And he's a really, really good fighter for and I think he's definitely announced himself even more on the world stage than what he was before. And I think this is a, you know, a guy who is made for, for Josh Taylor, who we're going to talk about in a little while as well and his fight i think he's made for someone like josh taylor the style josh taylor has i think would be a really good matchup for begry so Bagri progresses on with a unanimous decision the cards were very very wide there pretty much i think it was what was it about nine rounds to three i think on the cards maybe even ten rounds to two from what i recall and flanagan actually come out afterwards and felt like it was a little bit closer but I think objectively looking at it from this, you know, side of the the coin, I think it was quite wide and I think it was you know quite accurate. I think the the scorecards were you know probably correct in this instance. As much as it pains me to say that, he probably was correct because I didn't really see a lot of rounds going in there from Terry, maybe one or two. I couldn't even really say I could stretch to a, a third round for him where I think I think he decisively won it. Shame for Terry on the night. Will he come back from it? think he's still young enough to come back from it he's still 29 years of old he's still got some great experience under his belt and these two fights that he's been in with Hooker and Pagrai now should really put him in good stead for a future challenge against a world champion in the division will he become a world champion at uh, super lightweight that remains to be seen and I would like to say yes but a part of me does feel that maybe he won't unless he gets in with a champion that may be Class as a, as, as a weaker champion. I don't think he's going to take the title off any of these other guys out there, but I could be totally wrong and he could absolutely prove a lot of people wrong. But I think there's a lot of people going to write him off now with two back to back defeats against world level opposition. I think that's going to. I said it was a make or break fight last week and I think it's definitely me, McGrath. I don't think it's so much broke, Terry Flanagan but I do think he's got a bit of rebuilding to do. Definitely a drawing board to go back to And to determine where they're going to go next With Terry Flanagan But I was disappointed with the result But I couldn't argue with the the style And the class of Pagrai on the night And obviously he goes on now To the next round I think it's Kirill Relic they fight next So I think that's uh, Barachak I think possibly I, I can't remember who He's actually lined up next for Pagrai now But for me he gets to the final and I'd like to see him in against Josh Taylor if Josh Taylor comes through Ryan Martin. So that was a, a a a decisive fight on the night. Obviously, I talked a little bit earlier about. Anthony you get and the state of his eye. It was absolutely ridiculous what happened to his eye on Saturday night. It reminded me of when Enzo Macronelli fought Jurgen Bremer in, and how ridiculously bad his eye went up. And obviously, he fought against Ivan Barashak, who was also undefeated. And Barashak comes in and wins the IBF super lightweight title now. And this fight had to be stopped. I mean, look at the state of the eye. Come on, you must have seen it on social media by now. It was absolutely ludicrous. And get wanted to go go on he wanted to continue the fight and i've him credit for that but i think you've got to know when it's time to kind of say i think we need to take a step back here and, and, and look after my health because at the end of the day your health's the most important thing that you need to walk away with from the sport so fair play anthony you get give it his all but the injury made him succumb to it and uh, Ivan baronshack comes through the victor in that one so let's move on to the Matchroom USA Bill... ...which had, was headlined by Daniel Jacobs and Sergei Derechenko... ...and I tell you what, what a cracking fight that was... ...I watched it on Sunday morning uh, when I got up... ...and I wasn't sure what to expect... ...I mean I'd heard a lot about the two before... ...that they obviously spanned a lot of rounds together as sparring partners... ...but this wasn't sparring... ...and you could tell... That they knew each other inside out in that fight I think most people will agree with that It was a very, very good Close competitive fight between the two And Daniel Jacobs came out The victor at the end of it One card was scored to Derevan Which Some people might say they can understand How it was scored to him But I do think the 115 112 cards That were given to Jacobs Were the accurate cards I think he did win by the three rounds overall And it was a really really good fight And just got to show you That Daniel Jacobs is still a force still got a lot to give in that middleweight division. I've never doubted the fact that he couldn't give anything more in the middleweight division. It was just good to see him again pick up a, a world title and now puts himself in a position now to, to to maybe fight Andrade, which is something they've talked about in the previous couple of weeks. Really good performance from him, and I was really impressed. And he came through some adversity. He caught some great shots. Derevonchenko cannot be given any more credit for for what he did, he really performed well, yes, he's got the loss on paper, but he's definitely a middleweight force isn't he, I mean come on, this guy he, he would probably beat a lot of middleweights out there, and he's just come up short on the night some people like I say, and one judge felt like he won it and some people may felt like he won it, but I thought the quality shots the more impressive eye-catching shots came from Jacobs on the night and that's what won the fight and that's why I felt like he won the fight on the night. Really good performance from Danny Jacobs. He goes on now and hopefully gets another big fight in the middleweight division. we also seen Heather Hardy, former kickboxer, uh, MMA fighter, former professional boxer, 21-0, and 0, moves to 22-0 and, and picks up the World Boxing Organisation, WBO, female featherweight title in what was another great performance and I think either Hardy uh, you know she's transitioned from between both sports between MMA and boxing and obviously she's got a lot more experience in the boxing side but she really put on a great performance uh, against former foe Shelley Vincent and picked up the win via unanimous decision did the 12 rounds looked really good in doing so bit of a bloody mess at the end of it great fight between them Really enjoyed it And then you had Alberto Machado Beating Yundale Evans For the WBA World Super Featherweight title That was on the line again It was just another great fight I mean obviously this didn't last very long It was over within the first round But as long as it lasted I really enjoyed it And Machado I think upset a lot of odds I don't think there was Even though he was in the undefeated fight going into it I think there was a few people that I felt like Evans might be the victor in this one and I might walk away with it how wrong were they? How wrong were they? And I tell you what, Machado, a guy that needs to be looked out for now on the Super Featherweight scene. British Super Featherweight scene so need to be watching out for this guy because he's definitely coming on your radar with that WBA title soon. So it was a good card overall. Probably a little bit of a better offering than what we've seen so far. Again, open to interpretation. Some people might agree, some people might not agree. But I enjoyed the card. I really did. And the Danny Jacobs-Demir Vinchenko fight was, was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant fight. And an exciting fight. A very back and forth fight. And I think it did the card justice on the night. So I really enjoyed all the cards over the weekend. And I come on to the final fight. Which I missed off right until the end in last week's episode. Between Huey Fury and Kubrat Pulev. So this is an interesting one. Because it's been getting a lot of stick on social media now. Because of what's happened in the fight. Uh, performance from huey fury people saying very lackluster wasn't great right i'm going to give my take on this now and this is my opinion so things that people have to remember about huey fury he isn't tyson fury he doesn't have the same skill level for me as tyson fury how old is he? he's 24 years of age Look at what he's done at 24 years of age. Look at who he's been in with now at 24 years of age. He's been in with Joseph Parker, who he lost to, which, again, was debatable Was debatable as to whether he lost it or whether he won it. And again, it's what you like kind of fight. Understandable. Experience, yeah, he took a lot away from it. And now he goes in with Kubrat Pulev, a guy he had been out for, what, about 16 months, guy was 37 years of age, been stopped only once by Vladimir Klitschko in a great fight, comes in and, in terms of athleticism, looked really, really good. I mean, there's people saying, was he on the juice? Was he on the Pulev juice? Maybe he was on the Pulev juice, I don't know, but he was effective in what he did and cancelling out Huey Fury. Now, Huey Fury got this bad cut over the eye, which I believe was it happened originally in camp and has opened up again on the night and caused a lot of problems. It was right over the eye, so the blood would have been dripping into the eye and, yes, it would have been obscured. Cutsman did a really, really good job of keeping it at bay. Some of the issues I had with the Fury performance was I felt like... Uh, At times he wasn't throwing the shots very well. And maybe that was as a result of the fact that his vision was impaired a little bit. People on social media are absolutely slating him, saying he can't even punch at all. Now you can't entirely say that's correct because the guy has gone in and he's had quite a few fights now i think i'm just trying to think how many fights he has without without actually checking it on a uh, on box Week, how many fights said he's had quite a few was it 23 24 fights now at 24 years of age you know there's quite a few fights that he's had and the experience he's, he's probably gained from these two fights at world level is invaluable and it was funny because i've seen a post on social media about what other people had previously achieved in the division at the age of 24 now Anthony Joshua at the age of 24 for example was only going into his second professional fight with Paul Butlin yes he had that storied amateur career in Olympic gold medal but 24 years of age he was only just really getting into the pro game you've also got to think about other people that are, what have they done at that age, what have they achieved at the same age Huey Fury's at the fact of the matter is here Huey Fury has got time on his side time to grow, time to get better in his career he's only 24 years of age and people are writing him off as he isn't world level he isn't world level. That's what people are saying, and at times it made me feel that way in that particular fight. I felt like, mm, is he really world level here? Are we seeing a guy that maybe could be European level, and that's that? I had to think about it over the weekend, and I think, I think he's, I think he is up there at world level. I don't think he, at this moment in time I can see him being an elite level fighter but i can definitely see him competing with a lot of great world heavyweights now he's been in there with a very experienced Kubrat pulev and a joseph parker who some might say yes he's a one-dimensional fighter he's been beaten by josh rip and beaten by dillian white but you can't argue that he has also had that experience as well in his career so for me, I think people need to lay off you if you're just a little bit. And sometimes I was you know, I can accuse myself of that. At the time when I was watching the fight, I felt is he really world level? Is he ever going to do anything more than than this? Is this is this his pinnacle? But then I had to strip myself back a bit and think to myself, actually, he's only 24 years of age, and the way he completely outclassed Sam Sexton to win the British title just shows me that. He's definitely better than domestic level. He's probably better than European level, to be fair. He's probably world level, but needs more work, more time, and more opportunity to be able to do it. I like the fact that he's not scared of taking a lot on his record. I like that fact. And I like the fact they've took the opportunity and took it with both hands. And fair play. You know, he's going over there to the lion's den against a guy who... Yeah he's not the greatest of fighters to watch But at the end of the day You've got to give yourself If you don't go for the opportunities you're never going to know And Peter Fury was saying if they would have pulled out of the fight They would have lost that chance to be able to become a manager for the IBF So I can understand why they didn't pull I, out. I understand that but you've got to remember now He's 24 years of age He's got time on his side That was his what 23rd fight I think So for me He's got plenty of opportunities To go forward and become a better fighter and I think we do need to lay off him just a little bit and give him the opportunity because I think you know potentially he could come of age I mean look at him getting to sort of Andy Joshua's age, 28, 29 he could be a different fighter by then, he could be a different fighter he might not be and people are obviously, I'm going to you know, go with the points of what other people may make and may say, that might be the best you're ever going to get out of him. You might be right. You could be absolutely 100% right. That could be the best you ever get out of you if you're it. But you've got to give the guy the opportunity now. He's been in with two world-level fighters. Has he got the opportunity to fight other world-level fighters? Yeah, I think he needs to go back down. He needs to fight a couple of European-level fighters. Maybe rebuild his confidence just a little bit. And then maybe start to look around the world scene and look at other fighters and slowly build himself back up to that world level. I mean, who else have you got out there who you could see him in against? <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, a Manuel Char, um, uh, you've got a Michael Hunter, even, funnily enough, you've got a Lucas Brown, uh, you've got quite a few fights out there. Sergey Kuzmin, who we've seen against. David Price a few weeks back... So there's there's plenty of fighters out there... For him to go in with and get more experience... Before he steps back up again... Will he beat any of the current champions? Based on that performance... No he wouldn't... And potentially you get stopped... That's a huge possibility... But the guy needs time to grow a bit more I think... And I said it when he fought Sexton... I, I didn't think it was right... To shove him straight back up to world level... But I can understand why they've took the opportunity... If he was offered that opportunity for a potential crack at Anthony Joshua big money payday would you take it yeah of course you would because you might never get that chance again so fair play for them to taking it I do want to see him step back down build back up and then go again because he's got time on his side within 18 months 2 years we could see him challenging for a, another big title again that's what ideally if I was managing him I'd want to see it and I'd want to do it that way but if the opportunity has come they've got to take him haven't they it's as simple as that for me so I think I've not missed anything else off from this weekend If I have, I'm sorry I'll try and remember it before the end of the show But I want to move on Let's talk about what's going on Next weekend coming up Or this weekend, because it's Tuesday So I want to move on then And talk about this weekend's action So I've had a quick look around And I obviously I know a couple of big shows that are going on this weekend Because I've been dealing with all the media accreditations For all my guys at Eat Sleep, Boxing and Repeat so it's been a busy, busy week and I'm not even getting a break even though I'm away at the moment I'm still trying to sort stuff out for people to make sure that we can get it covered for us guys so one thing I wanted to bring to people's attention was the Ultimate Boxer Tournament is back it's on Friday it's this Friday at the Indigo O2 and it's going to be the light heavyweight version this time I'm looking forward to it because there's a couple of good domestic names in there that people will recognise and I think this could be uh, Surpass the original welterweight tournament. So we've got the compa the the combatants, the, combatants, the fighters that are in this one is seven and zero Pitters. We've got five and one Sam Smith. ...them two are facing off against each other... ...we've got Joe McIntyre... ...who you'll probably know on a domestic level... ...against Daryl Church... ...who's 7-2-1... and one. ...we've got Dex Spellman... ...who people will know for the sad reason... ...of inviting Scott Westgarth in his last fight... ...before he tragically passed away... ...against Sam Horsfall... ...who's only 2-0... And, oh. ...and we've got uh, Georgie Bacon... ...against Jordan Joseph... ...so we've got Georgie Bacon 1-1... One and, one, ...and Jordan Joseph 7-2... ...so these tournaments... The I think they're always going to be compared to match rooms prize fighter, of course because it's a similar style really isn't it Les, let's be honest, but it never fails to deliver does it because it's the the small free, free tournament so you get three three minute rounds you're going to see these guys go hell for leather, you're going to see it and you're going to see knockouts and we've seen it in the welterweight tournament because it was brilliant, we've seen that shock defeat for Isaac McLeod, no one's expecting Isaac McLeod to lose, in fact they all thought we were going to win and he gets knocked out by Tom Young so we could see some big big surprise upsets I mean the guys like Joe McIntyre experienced fighters and Dex Bellman another experienced fighter that's in there these guys could be upset and might not even make it to the final so this is what's the beauty of it it's, it's one of them nights where anything could happen on any given night and also usually launches the career of these fighters and puts them into you know prime perspective as well as winning a a, a decent amount of money for doing it as well so there's also a couple of undercard fights we've got returning manchester man Salma hyde managed to squeeze himself on this one at the last minute we've also got super lightweight contest with yusef kimurney on there and we've also got super middleweight contest which is idris virgo on there as well so I think it would be a good show. I really enjoyed it last time. Elliot Stott, Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat, that's the man that's covering it for us this weekend. Really excited to see it. I enjoyed it. Uh, It's on Spike. Um, I think it was on Spike last time. I think it's on Sport Bible this time first, the undercard, and then possibly Channel 5 from about 9 o'clock. Couldn't be 100% on that one. You'd have to go and do a quick check on that one yourselves. But that's what's happening on Friday. And then on Saturday, we get the next installment of the World Boxing Super Series. So, it's up in Glasgow at the SSE Hydro. Uh, and again, I'm glad to be saying that we're going to have representation there covering the show for each lead Boxing Repeat, so I'm really excited about that fact that we're going to be there, and we're going to have someone covering that show, but it's going to be a great show in general, because the main event is going to be Josh Taylor against unknown fighter over here, Ryan Martin. So this is, again, another great step up for Josh. We've seen him in his last bout earlier on this year against Victor Postel, which, People were saying, you know, he's going to do a number on him, he's going to do a great number on Postal, And I'll tell you what, that postal fight was a great fight, really enjoyable fight. And he's funnily enough on this card as well, which I think people will know about that against a CR Osgul, who picked up a defeat. Funnily enough, it's strange. It's a fight that was announced quite recently, and a lot of people were looking at it on social media going, what's actually happening here this fight is something that nobody was expecting to happen but yet it's happening uh, he lost his fight against Mikey Saki in York Hall in July earlier on this year but yet he's got this opportunity and it's a wonderful opportunity against Victor Postel. really really great opportunity for him so Zach Parker is also on that card as well fighting for the Vacant British Super Middleweight title against Darrell Williams. Going to be a great fight. That two undefeated fighters, similar stages of the career. Really, really good fight. And in addition to the card, obviously we've got Josh Taylor and Ryan Martin. So this is going to be really, really good fight. Josh Taylor, you got to remember, he's only 13 fights in. This is his 14th fight in his career, and it's the WBC Silver Super Lightweight title which is on the line here against Ryan Martin. Now. I think if you talk about Ryan Martin what do you actually know about the guy there's probably not a lot you know about him if you look at his record there's one particular name that you will certainly certainly remember from there and that's Brady's Prescott the man that floored Khan and knocked him out in one round was it like 60 seconds or something like that he knocked him out in no one will forget that (laughs) British fans will never forget that but his last fight was a unanimous decision over Brady's Prescott and then he comes into this and for me I think Josh Taylor is going to win this I think this has got a Josh Taylor win all over it and I think this is the first time really for Ryan Martin where he's actually going over to the Lions then so they've done well to get him on the tournament over in Scotland and it's going to sell well and I know there's a lot of guys shout out to Gloves Red Kerry and Jamie they're going to be there and I think that's a big fight for Scotland and if he wins this Josh Taylor it's just showing that he is moving up and moving up quick in levels and a lot of people do fancy him as the winner of this tournament I quite fancy him as the winner of this tournament I wanted Terry Flanagan to fight Josh Taylor and I was hoping that would be the final matchup but we've seen, again, this game's got levels in it and we are seeing all these young guys coming through And they're doing really really well Josh Taylor's another guy I think he wins I think he wins in style against Ryan Martin I think he's going to look good doing it On Saturday night On the undercard Another cracking little fight on there as well And it's the turn of the Bantamweights Where Ryan Burnett and Nuneito Denaire Go battle for the WBA And the vacant WBC Diamond Bantamweight title on the line I think I've said this before and I have said Nanito Denaire for me is past his best is a credible name to have on your record. When you say, Yeah, well I've beaten Nonito Denaire, it means something to a lot of people. But I don't think it's the same Nanito Dener we've seen, say, three or four years ago. This is a Nanito Denaire that is probably past his best, but has still got something to offer and probably and the name as well, it's the name that's there you know, the reputation, the name comes with it and Ryan Burnett, if he's going to move on, he, again he needs to win this fight in style you know, Donair's last opponent, as you know was Carl Frampton, which was in April this year, and obviously Carl Frampton looks really good against him, so I think if we get Ryan Burnett looking just as good against him It's going to put Ryan Burnett in good stead For his next opponent Which is going to be Zalane Tete Which is going to be a cracking fight If them two face off I really can't wait to see if that actually happens But he's got to get past air first Which is no easy feat I could see this go in the distance I'll be honest I could see this being a 12 round distance fight And really good learning fight for Burnett I think if Burnett's going to look good in this fight he's got a, he's got to be really classy he's got to out box and he's got to pick his punches well and if it looks good against an air then again it throws him back into the mix of the bantamweight division because you've got the likes of Inoue you've got the likes of Tete you've got Burnett you know it's a really really classy tournament this one and I think if Burnett does a good number on an air then people are obviously going to give him more of a chance of winning this one. So it's a really, really great card again, and it's um, as always. I, I really enjoy the world boxing super series cards and what they bring to boxing and, and everything that they bring in at the moment to, to the different divisions that they're competing in. So that's it for the uh, main events for me of the weekend. Um, there is another big fight over in America that I think people will want to check out and it is Miguel Belcheret versus Miguel Roman which is the WBC World Cup featherweight title uh, Belcheret defending it again I think a Belcheret win for me he's on the card I'm not going to even consider Miguel Roman as a potential threat to dethroning him in this one I think it'll be a really good fight but I think it will be a win for Beltray, and I think we're going to start looking at who you could potentially fight next in that particular division. So definitely catch that one. That'll be, I think, that's actually on Box Nation, if I remember rightly. So you've got that on the third of November, uh, early hours of Sunday morning for us guys in the UK. But there's another fight to catch up with over the weekend, and for me, that that sort of sums up all the fights coming up this weekend. It's a pretty quiet weekend from compared to the last two but it sets us up nicely for the Beldi and Uset card next week which we will be talking a little bit about shortly after this week in boxing history down goes Frazier I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over, Mafalda. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. So we're back with this week in boxing history, and as always, we've got some great ones to go through this week. And I think this week is even better because I've got a couple which I looked at and I thought, wow, some really, really great fights to talk about this week in brief detail. The first one. October the 30th Which is today Funnily enough So We had Muhammad Ali Knocking out George Foreman In round number 8 The Rumble in the Jungle In Zaire One of the greatest fights And build ups In boxing history And I think if you've not seen the, The actual documentary On that I think it's one you should Go and watch Because When I watched it I was I was surprised by everything that goes on behind the scenes, all the build up to it, how much of a huge fight it was, and the fight itself. Obviously, people will never forget the fight. The young, powerful man in George Foreman, the guy been knocking everybody out. Comes in against an Ali, throws everything has got, Ali, and it's the whole, the, you know, the rope a dope. That's where it came from. The fact Ali basically suckered it all up and then counterattacked and stopped George Foreman in the eighth round. It was a fight that I think people should go on and have a watch on YouTube because it was one of the best fights in boxing history and one that I always remember. For watching You know Through YouTube It's I never watched it at the time Because I wasn't born in 1974 We all know that But It's one that I've always Been talked about And debated about And and watched the documentaries on And You know People that are uh, Of a different generation than me Would talk about And how much of a big deal It was back in 1974 So Yeah, 1974, October the 30th, Muhammad Ali knocking out George Foreman in eight rounds. Also on the 30th of October in 1974 was the birth of one of our guests, Angel Manfredi was born. And we talked about Angel Manfredi, we had him on the podcast in The Life and Times Of. He talked about his fight with Floyd Mayweather, his fights with Gatti. You should go and listen to that one, The Life and Times of Angel Manfredi. So, moving on then, let's go to the next one, and go to the 31st of October. And what happened in the 31st of October? Well, we had Sugar Ray Robinson beating Fritze, I can't even pronounce his name, Fritze Savick in New York City. So he won over 10 rounds. So moving forward to the 3rd of November There's a couple of events that happened on this day in boxing history Which I think I was, I thought I'd bring it to your attention Because two fights that are remembered for different reasons So the first one is back in 2001 When Costa Zoo knocked out Zabjidder in two rounds To win the vacant super lightweight title and unifies WBC, WBA and IBF super lightweight titles and it was so eventful this one because it's a high ra- highlight real knockout so when Costas you drops Judah Judah gets back up way too quick and he does the funniest chicken leg dance you've ever seen in your life and if you've not seen it Oh man, surely you've seen it, come on. It's one of the funniest sort of knockdown get-ups you've ever seen in your life. It was brilliant. And then what even made me laugh afterwards was the fact that Judah started trying to attack the referee, Jay Nady as well, started throwing the stool and his corner come in. It was just absolutely mental, a mental ending to a fight, but one that will always be remembered for the reaction of Judah after that huge right hand from Kostya So also on the 3rd of November, back in 2007, one of the defining nights of Joe Calzaghe's career For me Was when he beat Mikael Kessler Over 12 rounds To retain his world super middleweight title uh, With a 117-111 112 And one sixteen, one twelve 112 card thought that was a really brilliant fight And Mikael Kessler at the time Obviously he was a feared undefeated super middleweight Going into this fight You know he was the young hungry lion Who was supposed to go in there and beat Joe Calzaghe, But Joe Calzaghe he was accused of being a slapper so to speak in his career and people will argue against it and will always agree with it but I'll tell you what, he did a good number on Mikael Kessler at night. He's shown how good of a fighter he really is and why he retired undefeated. Because he was very effective at what he did in his boxing career. So, back in 2007, Joe Calzaghe retained his super middleweight title against Mikhail Kessler. So, let's move on to the final one, which is on November the 4th. And we've got 1995. Riddick Big Daddy Bo knocking out Evander the Real Deal Holyfield over 8 rounds Uh, one of their fantastic fights that they had over their career remember they had a 3 fight trilogy and this was one of them and it was a really really good fight and I don't know if this was the. I can't remember if this was the fan man one. Ninety five possibly could have been the one where the guy came in in the parachute into the ring. I think I'll have. I might have to go and have a YouTuber that one because out of the three fights, I remember the fan man situation, and I just again you never forget these things. It's um it's on HBO's Legendary Nights. You can never forget something like this. But yeah, nineteen ninety five, Big Daddy Bo KO was Evander Holyfield in eight rounds. So that concludes this week in boxing history it leads us nicely on to this week's final segment of the episode which as always is the news and gossip section so news and gossip let's have a chat let's talk about what's been going on in the news this week quite a few bits of information coming out of this week so I think the first one I wanted to start with was the fact that Mikey Garcia has now vacated his IBF lightweight title so won't face his mandatory challenger Richard Comney which was announced a couple of weeks ago we've talked about a fight with Errol Spence being proposed which was surprising that he was thinking about jumping up two weights to fight him I thought he was going to move up just to just one weight and go to 140 but it looks like he's going to go to 147 and potentially fight Errol Spence in what would be a really good fight would it be a jump too far for Mikey Garcia quite possibly it could really be a jump too far for him but it's a fight that I think people would want to see and a fight that if it happens I would watch it definitely I'd definitely watch it so also we've had the injury to Joe Cardina which has meant the Cardina Cardle fight is off the card for Usyk Bellew and good old Mr. David Allen comes onto the card to save it as usual, Eddie Hearn's reliable man, Mr Dave Allen's going to be on that card, replacing Cordina and fighting a heavyweight fight, which probably will be another mismatch but everybody loves a bit of Dave Allen don't they, and when he comes into Shawn Michaels, sexy boy (laughs) you can't fault him can you really, I mean people hate him for whatever reason, but you, you really can't hate the guy, he's just a comedian I mean purest purist boxers, boxing fans will be like well, Why is this guy even getting another opportunity But I think he just brings an entertainment value to it And I think that's why he's being stuck on it again It's nice to see him active But unless he's getting a meaningful fight It doesn't really do anything for me personally But hey ho, that's the one Anyway, moving on Let's go to the next piece of news This was uh, quite a surprising piece of news and it's going to con- cause some controversy with people across social media so Jarrett Hurd is reportedly scheduled to return I can say some Wellborn on the Wild of Fury card in December the 1st so we knew that Wellborn had vacated his title quite recently and we was wondering why he didn't want to fight Mark Afron who was the who's challenger and now we certainly know why that's going to be because he's fighting Jarrett Hurd middleweight I can't believe it I'm absolutely shocked that this is actually happening it's definitely for me a freedom to the Lions situation I mean just people seriously think Wellborn as much as I think he's a great guy for for what he's achieved and how he's put something into this latter end of his career do they really think he's actually going to go in there and, and do something against Jarrett Hurd I honestly, I don't think that's going to be the case, but I can't fault him for taking this fight because surely he'll be getting a great payday and an opportunity to fight on a big stage. And for that, I can't fault him, but especially when you're at the latter end of your career. Surely you must be thinking to yourself, I've won a British title, you know, I've done something I never thought maybe I was going to achieve, but now I've done it and I'm getting this opportunity to fight a guy who's classed as one of the best middleweights in the world. I'm going to get paid handsomely for it. Could probably, you know, finish. You know, pay my mortgage off or something or whatever it is he might do with that money. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deny him that opportunity. I'm not gonna slight him for it. I just don't. I just think he's gonna be a bit of a mismatch, and uh, Jared Hurd's probably gonna stop him within a few rounds. I think he's, he's a very, very good fighter, Jared Hurd, as we know. And I don't think this is gonna go very long. But fair play to Jason Walborn for taking this fight. So we know now that Kel Brook is confirmed to be out on the eighth of December. But he has actually said Dominic Ingle won't be in his corner For his upcoming bout As he wants to train out in future Ventura He insists that they've not fallen out but he hasn't clarified whether this will continue for future fights. So again, we just don't know what's going on behind the scenes there. It seems to be something, but we're not getting full detail on it. And, and Kelber just sort of releasing bits of information here and there. Not really heard anything from Ingle yet and from the Ingle camp about this speculation of whether he will be training Brooke in the future. So a little bit more from you there this week. Also, this week, Tyson Fury claims that he once confronted Andy Joshua in person, and this is what he said, I quote, when I stood face to face with him and said, do you want to get outside, he shit himself, and then I took him outside, and <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed to be, and kicked his cock right in for him, that's funny, I said that to him and he didn't want to know, That's just Tyson Fury all over for this, isn't it? He's just it's absolutely hilarious what else has been going on this week we've heard Gennady Golovkin's promoter Tom Loffler, has said Triple G could return to fight in the UK and has named Callum Smith as a potential opponent but added Billy Jones Saunders is now less likely as he's vacated the title so that is quite interesting and I know a lot of people have been sharing that around social media today Uh, a Photoshop picture of Smith and Golovkin facing off would it be a fight people would want to see Would people give Smith a chance? I I don't know. I don't know because he's just got to one level by beating George Groves. Could he step up another level and beat someone like Golovkin? I mean, the guy's huge. But Golovkin's a very, very good and tough fighter, so I honestly don't know at this stage. It's too early to even think about that even happening, because it might never happen. But it's interesting that Golovkin's promoter's coming out and giving us a few different names to, to speak of to maybe get in Golovkin's next fight, but I'm just touching on it, Golovkin's 36 now. They're obviously going to be looking for him to be in a couple of more big fights before he calls it a day. So also this week, WBO featherweight champion Oscar Valdez has now publicly declared his intention to unify with the winner of Warrington versus Cal Frampton early in 2019. So it doesn't surprise me if he actually comes over and watches his fight from ringside because he wants to unify the division. We've seen him when he fought Quig earlier on this year in a brilliant fight. He wants to beat the winner of Warrington versus Frampton. So it's interesting that Valdez has come out and said that because I think either man, whoever wins the Warrington and Frampton fight, would be a brilliant matchup for Valdez. And I think we'd see an absolute barn burner of a fight, a slobber knocker of a fight, even. So it's interesting that he's he's come out and said that. And it's really good, actually, because we want to see these big fights happen, don't we? And, you know, the, the fact that he's come out and publicly said he wants that is really good for boxing for me. So, what else have we got going on this week in boxing? Uh, we've heard a lot of stuff going on, haven't we? There's always stuff going on, but there's a lot of talk of Derek Chisora and Dillian White actually being made for the 22nd of December. Now, do I want to see that fight again? Yeah, I think I do. I think I'd like to see that. I think it would be an interesting fight. I think it would be a phone box fight. I think people will get value for money with this fight. But do people want to see Dillian White move on in his career? probably probably do yeah i think a lot of people want to see him move on his career not go back over old ground against a guy who yeah it was a very close fight and he got the win but if he wants to be up there and he wants to continue on with his charge at heavyweight crown does he really want to be taking a risk against jezora a risk you know it's a risk that he might lose that fight if jezora comes in as game as he did against takam there's a chance he might lose that so does he really want to risk it he probably does, because he's the type of guy that will take that fight. And a and, uh, fair play, if he does, people are going to watch it. But it looks like he's going to be on the same night and rivaling the Frampton Warrington bill as well. So, that's quite interesting. So, anything else going on this week? Um, let me have a quick look. Yes, Brandon Rios. He signed his multi-fight deal with Matchroom U- USA and DAZN. Which... <sighs> I don't know what to make of this. Because the last couple of fights I've seen Rios in... I felt like it was time for him to retire, but yet he's got this multi-fight deal now, and it just feels like, as much as, obviously, Eddie Hearn, Matchroom USA are trying to keep this American break into the market, when the signing guys had Brandon Riott, for me, yes, he's got a name attached to him, but he's way past it for me. I don't think he's... (sighs) I mean, is he just trying to sponge off the name here a little bit? I think people will probably agree he is, Eddie Hearn. He's trying to sponge off the fact that he's got this American fan base and this name that goes with it, and he's been in some really great fights, but he's past it for me. I don't think he's ever going to become a world champion again. Maybe he'll have a couple of good fights, you know, a couple of good bar burner fights, but <sighs> sceptical, I think, is the the word I'm using for for this one so also then this week have we got anything else to talk about yes one more thing to mention which I think was brilliant from last weekend's action Does anybody see Kevin Cassius' tweet from when he was in Bulgaria and the boxer who went rogue with his trainer and his trainer, was trying, <laughs> his trainer was trying to restrain him and the boxer started laying into his trainer I mean how disrespectful is that ridiculous Absolutely ridiculous that that happened But I tell you what, it was hilarious at the same time to watch You just you just don't see these things sometimes Actually they were um, quite entertaining to watch I think at, at times But I think a lot of people, I think they retweeted it It went out a few times and people <laughs> were really surprised at it It was uh, quite an entertaining evening uh, of boxing And, and obviously rogue boxing going on as well So that's it there's nothing else to go through for me this week. If I have missed anything off, then please tweet me, let me know at Sean Basto ESBR or BBTR Boxing Pod, that's where to find us. And I wanna go back and as always get you guys to give us a follow. So you know where to find us at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, Beyond the Roads Boxing Podcast on Facebook, on Podbean, on Stitcher, on iTunes and for me, leave a review of this podcast for us because it really really helps us get to that next level it really helps us achieve what we want to achieve and i say it every single week but not a lot of people do respond to it and it's such a shame because the more you do that the more you actually leave us with views and give us that attention the more likely we are to actually become well known across i mean i mean let's come on let's be honest you really want guys like Jake Wood, Spencer Oliver to be getting all these plaudits for a podcast which is not really a serious podcast or it's not really something that they're just doing it for a bit of fun but yet yeah, they're getting all this attention and all these plaudits for it which I think is a little bit ridiculous because half the time it's not even about the boxing it's just about them massaging their own egos a little bit for me but hey-ho, that's, it that's is what it is obviously they've got their names to go with it and that's why they do it, but no this is what I'm saying about leaving reviews, get on there leave the reviews, leave some comments, give us some questions, give us some feedback if you don't like what we're doing, tell us, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm getting a lot of good feedback from people and people are enjoying it and obviously it's, it's great and over the next couple of weeks you know, we're going to get all these new episodes recorded I've got some good stuff lined up and hopefully I'll be able to get that out to you very, very shortly but other than that, give us a tweet at BTR Boxing Pod at Sean Bastow, ESBR, and I will see you next week. Network.